0: I'm Margie Alanis and this is farmher talks thoughtful conversations to connect and inspire the farmher in all of us so a very hot topic in agriculture right now is CBD but what truly is CBD when I think of it so many questions come to mind what is the difference between CBD hemp and marijuana what's legal what's not how is it grown who's growing it where are they doing this? You know, basically all of the questions. So in honor of January being CBD month, we have an expert farm her, Peggy Kofine, joining us, who is on a mission to share her knowledge about CBD and the products that she not only grows, that she makes, sells, and uses. As a mother, wife, business owner, and farm her herself, she knows stress, which is what inspired her CBD journey after her husband began raising hemp. We'll talk more about her background, Products and what CBD really is today on Farm Her Talks. Okay, so jumping right into it, today we've got not just Peggy Kofi in the Farm Her who we're going to be talking to, but we've also got our very own Erin Leifger joining us on Farm Her Talks. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. Yes, yes. So um, Aaron, you and Peggy have actually had the opportunity to, t- to talk before. And so um, I'm really excited to continue the conversation that you guys have already started. But before we talk about anything else today, because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Peggy, what is CBD? Can, can you break it down for me and for everybody else listening that's going, okay, what is this?
1: You bet. So to give you the the breakdown and kind of the CBD 101. So CBD stands for cannabidiol. And so what is cannabidiol? So that would be one of more than 120 natural cannabinoids that are found in the hemp plant. And so CBD is one of these natural compounds that is associated with what many people find to be some really positive effects. So that would be benefits like helping with sleep, uh, falling asleep, staying asleep, getting good solid sleep, uh, pain relief and relief of inflammation. And also another big one is stress management um, from the standpoint of anxiety. And also uh, there's even some links with PTSD in the use of CBD and relieving some of those symptoms. So you kind of take this one natural compound that has many different benefits And it's all derived from the hemp plant. And so uh, there may be other cannabinoids that you are familiar with or have heard of. And one of the common ones that people hear about is THC, right? So THC is going to be the psychoactive compound um, that causes people to have that that high or that psychoactive effect. Um, But with CBD, we really want to um, look at optimizing the natural compound CBD and minimizing um, the genetics of the plant to have very, 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 very low um, amounts of THC. So we're looking to optimize health and minimize uh, that that compound that produces a psychoactive effect.
0: Okay. Well, I like that. That makes perfect sense. And all of the things you listed, uh, you know, anti-inflammatory inflammatory stress relief and sleep. Those are all things that I think at age 41, you can sign me up for. Um, and so I, I think <laughs> y- you've got my attention and probably a whole lot of other people's attention, but it it's um, its good to have that broken down because I think there's so many connotations that go when you hear hemp right. or you hear marijuana or you hear CBD, you're like, what in the heck even is this? So that right. that helps me get, get a framework. And Erin, you probably already mm-hmm. had some of this conversation. So any thoughts? I have? did.
2: Well, and I think, I mean, and I'm going to I'm gonna lead into um, an example, I think, just because it, it came to mind when you were about this. But, you know, like when we talk about CBD, this is where Margie and I's conversation started. It's like, it's is it bad? Is it good? Is it legal? Is it, you know, like all these questions that everybody has. So this helps break it down so much. And I think, and, and maybe this isn't the right place, but Peggy, you had like a, an awesome example of a hemp plant versus a corn plant. That made it just make a lot of sense. Oh, but, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I can take a minute to to paint that picture mm-hmm. for all of our listeners here. And let me also preface by saying that um, three or four years ago when my husband came home and said, I want to grow hemp for CBD in our backyard, all of those <laughs> questions <laughs> that you just brought up were the exact same ones I brought up, especially leading off with, is this even legal? <laughs> what Are do we going you to saying? go to jail? <laughs> right. All good and questions. So, yeah, so there was a major educational curve that took place uh, and shipped for me personally. Uh, but part of that education was really understanding um, what is, you know, what is the hemp plant, what is this type of the cannabis plant. And so the best way that I can paint the picture for people is to think about when you're driving down the road and you go past a cornfield, right? So, whether you're in Iowa where you're at, whether you're here in Wisconsin with me or anywhere across the country, any state where corn is grown, you've probably driven past the cornfield. And now, to the average person, they're going to look out at that cornfield and they're not going to know what the intention of that crop is. Perhaps it's going to be grain corn, perhaps it's going to be corn silage, perhaps it's going to be sweet corn. And that average untrained eye is going to just look at that and say, corn is corn, right? Uh, So it's actually not that much different when we look at the cannabis plant. And so the type of cannabis plant that we're growing for CBD is going to look like the type of cannabis plants are very similar, you know, in characteristics um, to uh, what's being grown for like a medical marijuana or for the, um, for the purposes of that THC content that other people might be seeking. Um, so the plants might look very similar on the outside, but really the difference is the genetic makeup. So just as we tweak genetics in seed and in corn to produce the desired effect, we're doing the same thing with cannabis where we have these versions of it that are bred and specifically um, targeted to have the desired effect. And in our case, that desired effect is going to be very low levels of THC. For example, there's a federal regulation that um, cannabis or for CBD has to be tested under 0.3% THC. And you might be wondering, what does that even mean? Um, so to put that into perspective, recreational marijuana is anywhere from 10 to 30% THC, so we are in this little category where we're under 0.3%. So it's a trace amount. It's still in there. It actually helps to enable the benefits of the other cannabinoids. Sometimes you know you ever notice when you leave Mother Nature together, she works her best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, <laughs> right. that's that's how that's how I look at the crap that we grow here. Is that. Tiny little amount of THC, which to me, Peggy, four years ago would have been like heck to the no. But <laughs> knowledge and understanding, experience yeah. personally, and seeing the experiences of our customers, my thought and my belief has really shifted to to understand that that tiny little amount—it's not going to make a person high. It's that tiny amount is not illegal, um, but it actually can produce some positive effects. So, does that help to it to create that image of what? um hemp is for cbd compared to what it might be for other purposes.
0: Absolutely. That that makes mm-hmm. good sense for those of us who who you know have a little bit of knowledge or who might drive down the road and see a corn plant here or there, right? Um or everywhere here in Iowa. Um so absolutely no th- that is perfect and I appreciate that so much. So you kind of alluded to this. Um you said your husband came home and said we're going he wants to start growing hemp. So my my question was how did you guys get started in this industry? What what was it that spurred your husband to think that what was it that that made you guys go forward with it? Tell us a little bit about, about how you grow it.
1: You bet. So backtrack about, um, I think, three years, 2019, uh, was mm-hmm. when the licensing program opened up in Wisconsin. It was a pilot program where people could uh, get a license to grow industrial hemp. And the main purpose of the industrial hemp was this emerging CBD market. Now, there's actually um, hemp that people are starting to play around with and grow for fiber purposes and for oil seed purposes. And that's that's a different type of plant, a little bit different type of purpose. Um, but at that time, the CBD market was just starting to really to really uh, emerge, and so um, it was touted as kind of a small acreage cash crop, and we have a small acreage. We have a little hobby farm just right outside of Green Bay, uh, and about five acres that we typically would have as a hay field to grow hay for our little herd of show cows, show cattle, and um, my husband, being the banker and being the finance guy that he is, is like, well, man, we have this acreage here, and with just a small amount of effort, so we thought, just small amount of effort, <laughs> we could you know have this potentially high value crop. And so, um, so he was the one that went to work doing a lot of research right away, and I stood there with my arms crossed. <laughs> And the uh, and the hesitation in my mind and in my in my eyes that I don't know if this is something that we want to get into. It sounds kind of sketch, you know,
0: like what are our neighbors going to think if we <laughs> if we convert our hay field over to hemp? <laughs>
1: yeah, what are our neighbors going to think? Like, I don't even want to tell people we're doing this, you know. And so that was that, uh, to be quite honest, that was really my uh, my approach in the beginning, um, but he really did a lot of the initial research so i have to give him credit for being mm-hmm. the one who brought the idea into our into our life um and uh and really what you know what he learned in those early stages was that there really wasn't a lot of guidance and information out there mm-hmm. on how to grow this crop but what one thing we did realize quickly was that it was going to require a lot of hand labor um, because the industry being in, in its infancy really wasn't it positioned it with the equipment and the resources and the knowledge to do it at a larger scale um, or to have efficiencies to really make it faster and easier. So we learned pretty quick that it required a lot of hand labor, meaning planting our little plants by hand. And that year we put in 900 in our backyard. Um, It was a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You all all can't see my eyes, but they got really big right there. Like that's a lot. That's that's a lot. As someone who was like, I'm going to plant like a little um pollinator habitat and I was gonna do it on like acres and then I'm like I got like this little like three foot square spot now.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a and lot. Like, oh, that was that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, but we learned so, you know, number one it's a lot of hand harvesting or I mean I'm um, hand planting and then maintenance by hand because there's really there was, wasn't equipment that was scaled towards small production outdoors. We also learned that it was the same thing when it came to harvest. So harvest and picking flowers off of these plants, which ended up being a lot more than we ever imagined. <laughs> um, but that was all part of the learning curve of that first year of growing.
0: And so it's all grown outside, right? Like yeah, this so- is what I heard you say. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, so we are an outdoor grower. There are some people out there that are growing year-round in greenhouses and in in closed facilities, but for our purposes, we kind of treat it as you would any other crop on the farm. Um, It has a growing season. We have our plants started in May, and they're started by, uh, they're started indoors by um, a gentleman that we get our seed from, and then I have them. I start planting around that first week of June, and then they grow from being little baby picture, like a little tomato plant, how they look all cute, those Mm -hmm. little plants in the spring. And by the time we reach harvest in that late September, early October, uh, my babies are like five to six feet tall and just as well. So it's incredible. They're an amazing plant to get to just watch grow and thrive.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome. I, um, so, so how many, what, how many years have you been growing this now?
1: So we have completed three growing seasons. So
2: 2022 will be growing season number four for us. Wow. Yeah, And I thought it was interesting. So when, when we connected with Peggy, just to talk about the podcast, it was during harvest for you. And so tell us a little bit about harvest. Cause that blew me away, um, in terms of regulation. Oh
1: yeah. So we are state licensed by the state of Wisconsin, and part of that licensing was, is that we have to comply with the 0.3% THC standard right off the field. So what that means is before we can even start to harvest our crop, that we would have to have a representative from the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture come out, take representative samples from our field, And then they do their state testing for that THC level to make sure that we're under 0.3%. Now, the risk is that if you are over that limit, then you basically have to destroy your crop.
0: So there's like Um, no other market that you could use it for? I'm like panicking for you just thinking about that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, it's considered illegal to market um, because it's... marijuana, like, you know, higher THC content. Um, However, there's a couple things that that we do as growers that help to ensure we don't end up in that situation. One of them is working with a reputable seed dealer, um, somebody Mm -hmm. that has a good reputation for seed that is, again, genetically geared for that low level of THC and the high level of CBD. Mm -hmm. And then other things that we do is just really monitor the crop closely because um, you know, what can happen is like uh, if, a, if there's some cross-pollination that could occur with our field. So um, so we're raising only female plants um, because we're harvesting that <laughs> flower. We don't want that seed. So if that pollination occurs, there's uh, a chance that it will, it will elevate that THC level and then also lower the CBD level in the field as well. So there's just things that we wow. do to manage it so that we are in a good position to have no issues passing that statewide test. Uh, but that is part of our process is, is getting that test done and being able to have that clearance so that we can go ahead and get to work harvesting. And then we like to do several rounds of testing after harvest on our own as third party testing just to ensure THC levels, CBD levels, and basically everything that we say on our labeling for our products mm-hmm. is true to what's in it.
0: Super interesting. All things that I couldn't even begin to have thought about, right? When you think about the product that lands at the end. So, so speaking of the product, um, this isn't, this isn't just growing, which is what we've talked about, but you also make and distribute the products, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how that side of your business came to be and, and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, here again, we'll back up a few years when Kevin, my husband, came home with this crazy idea. There was no intention to take it full chain. There was no intention. Like, you know, we have have four kids, full-time jobs, our little hobby farm. Like, the last thing we needed was to (laughs) to do anything more, right? And I think a lot of women out there can relate. And and, uh, so our initial plan with our crop was that we would basically cash crop it, you know, like that's a farmer's, a lot of farmers do. You grow a crop and then you sell it to a buyer and, and then it goes on its merry way through the supply chain. And, um, and it was, I I still remember it was like about August of that first year when we were growing. And, um, and I had really started to uh, take on to this idea and and find personal benefit uh, in using some CBD products myself. And I thought, man, you know, for one, there's, there's something to this as a person that's dealt with a lot of anxiety for a very, very long time. I was finding incredible relief from something natural. Um, and same thing with the sleep benefit too. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can maybe find some CBD locally. That's less scary than the stuff I could find on Amazon and the internet. And so (laughs) I literally did a Google search for CBD near me and it sent me to the, the, little store <laughs> that I walked in and I immediately thought these are not my people.
0: <laughs> this is not the place for me.
1: This is not my place. This is not my place. And, um, but, but at that time, that is how CBD was marketed. You had to go to a shady little store that you were embarrassed to be parked in front of and get a sketchy little bottle of something that you just crossed your fingers and hope that you knew it was in it. And so I remember coming home that day um, that summer day and we're coming home and looking out at our field and and I just felt like I can't describe it as anything you know less than a higher calling to take what we were growing in our field and to share it and and all of a sudden um, all of a sudden everything just fell right into place Um, the idea for the brand the purpose the meaning Um, the way to make our little, our way to make the way we market our products different from others out there. Everything just came together really fast. And so um, I ended up naming our business and founding it as pre CBD and pre is P apostrophe R I. And people often ask what does pre mean? What does that stand for? And it's actually the Hebrew word for fruit. And it, is the Hebrew word for fruit. And and it's inspired by that because there was a Bible verse that has been the guiding light and the foundation of our brand. And that is Galatians 522 that says, the fruit of the spirit is peace, love, joy, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I remember that verse just speaking so strongly to me in this period of time. And it was like this aha moment of, you know, that's, that's the life that we're intended to live. But for so many of us, especially women, what gets in the way and the things that often get in the way are exhaustion because we can't sleep. We're not sleeping and we're waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, it's, it's high levels of stress and anxiety. It's pain at young ages that is starting to impact the way that we can live our lives. And that's not what life is intended for. Life is intended to be lived to the fullest. And, um, and so that was all this kind of, you know, intrinsic movement that just came together to create pre-CBD. And so if you get a chance to look at the logo of our brand, there's nine circles um, that are interrelated, and each circle represents the nine attributes of the fruit of the spirit from Galatians 5:22. And um, and when when this whole concept was coming together, uh, as you can see, it's a faith. I consider it a faith-based business, and that's the driver mm-hmm. behind what everything that I do for Pre. Uh, but one of the things that came to me really strongly in this process, as well in this, you know, kind of visioning that that came together really quickly, was that um, our products and the people that we would touch with pre-CBD would not just receive CBD products. They would also receive a handwritten prayer card um, to wish them blessings of peace, rest and relief. And that that would be that that's where I look at pre-CBD is not just my passion, not just my little business, but in some forms, my, my little ministry as well.
0: It's awesome, Every, and I can mm-hmm. I can hear your passion when you're talking yeah. about it, and and so that's exciting to me. I get chills when I hear people get so excited and have so much purpose uh, behind what they're doing because I think that that's that's you know what makes it all work, right?
1: Thank you, and yeah, there's there's a lot of passion behind it, <laughs> but you know, like I'll I'll reiterate uh, for for other listeners too that you know sometimes sometimes you think that that you have to have some elaborate business plan that you have to have, you have to have some degree and something else. Um, you know, I've had a full-time career in the dairy industry for 15 years. So, you know, it's, there are times when it crossed my mind of like, is what what am I even doing? Um, but but Me I think too. You know, Me too. you're okay. You know, <laughs> the, the ultimate lesson that, you know, that I've learned and that I hope other people can take away too is that, you know what, like it it doesn't matter if something is is on your heart so strongly, it is your duty to live it out. It is your duty um to carry it through and to not leave it on the table. And so, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, you have to be qualified in this way or that way, but sometimes the biggest qualification you can have is the belief and the passion and that definitive purpose.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Because you and Aaron connected a while ago, you had sent us, I guess, a little care package sure. to those of us at Farm Her. And and to be completely honest, I feel like I felt kind of like you did when you first um came into this. I was like, I don't is this is this okay? Like, how am I gonna feel? Like I don't know. It, it, you know, I'm of the age group, I guess where like, you know, my kids will probably grow up in a world where, um, marijuana is not an illegal thing, right? Like it's, it's definitely a changing thing across the country. Right. And so their viewpoint viewpoint of it may be very different than mine. And I always try to remember that, but I grew up where you got in trouble, like, right. Like if that's what you're going to do. And so like my brain still connects myself to that, even though, and, and I heard everything you said, and I think I've I've had a bit of an evolution in how I think about this, quite honestly. So you sent us these products and, and I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. What should I do with it? What, what do I do? And so it's been like, at first I was like, Oh, this chapstick is, Ooh, I like this chapstick. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I really like this. And then there's like a roll on and I've been yeah. using that too. And I really like it. Um, I, I'm not the greatest about like tracking the benefits for myself, but so far I like how it smells and I like how it like, it just, it's kind of a nice calm, um, scent and feeling. And so I just started, I just worked my way up to using the the oil that you drop under your tongue. And I have to tell you, I like had to talk myself into it a little bit. And I'm sure that a lot of people have this sort of evolution of what, what is this? And, and for me, it's, um, I I love that it's all natural. And I, so it's less about like, what am I putting in my body if I know where it's coming from? Right. But I also want to pay attention to what are the benefits for me. And so that that's part of my journey that I need to pay attention to, I think. But Mm -hmm. so, so I've experienced some of your products, Erin, I would love to hear your viewpoint as well uh, because I think it's, uh, I I don't know what it is. I'd love to hear it.
2: Yeah. So I, I have, I have the lip balm or the chapstick by my bedside. So I use it every single night. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I have the oil, the dropper oil under your tongue. Um, I've just played around with it, which I think is kind of what you have to do, right? I've yes. used it in the morning. I've used it in the afternoon. What I have found is if I use it, and I don't have problems sleeping necessarily at all, but when I use it, I sleep hard and I sleep good. And so I've started using it at night when I do use it. So, awesome. Yeah.
0: Is there yeah. a, a cumulative effect to it? I, I don't know the answer to that. And it's something I've kind of wondered, Like, do I need to try this for X amount of days before I start to notice whatever reason I'm taking it for?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. And um, and yes, there is a cumulative effect of using it continuously and consistently over time. Now, it, the way that people experience benefits can be across the board. So there'll be some folks that they'll try it for that first time. Maybe it's that first night of sleep and they're like, bam, the next day they're shooting me a text or, you know, sending a message of, holy cow, I haven't slept that well in years from just that first time. Um, But for other people, and you know, it's all dependent on your body's chemistry. And, and actually we actually have an endocannabinoid system within our body that receives um, cannabinoids, which is really interesting, isn't it? Um, so that system can be, you know, more more easily activated in some than others, and so uh, that's why I often, you know, just mm-hmm. recommend consistent use over time for the greatest benefit. Um, mm-hmm. Now, for some people, that one-off type of use may be just what they need, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. And for others, I have others that are using it very consistently, um, especially for things like. Managing pain and inflammation right Mm -hmm. where it's like a chronic ongoing type of condition Um, And same thing with some of that stress and anxiety type of stuff that people experience some are just when they have that moment some they're using the oil or they carry that roll on with them for the mm-hmm. the benefit of just being able to kind of take that breath It's our CBD with some other essential oils and mm-hmm. and it just it's kind of like a little magic it's just a little roll of magic. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> I do
0: like this. Yeah. That might sound crazy, but I even like took it and like dabbed it be- underneath my nose just so I could yes. even like <laughs> <laughs> You can just and, all envision me being like weirdo, like oh, I got to put it in <laughs> my nose, but I like I was like I love this. So and why here's not? <laughs> the other trick
1: with that or any you know. Any essential oils is that put it on your palm of your hands and breathe it in, like
2: Oh, and you a deep breaths. Like this, can you do that with the salve? The salve goes on your oh, body, yes. though, right? Like, but you can yeah, do that it with. Is,
1: but you know what? I have people that use that salve, and they they're like, you know, I put it on my hands at night. And now I'm sleeping better because they're sleeping it's and, still... and they're still getting uh... the benefit or I'll, I'll sometimes just put it on my temples at night or mm-hmm. back here where I get tense sometimes when I'm
2: sleeping too. Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: So yeah, it's interesting. Um, I really learned, uh, you know, each of, I created each of our products with a, with a purpose in mind and this, you know, value that I wanted to bring to the customer. But what I, what I hear, um, I learned so much from how people use the products and different ways mm-hmm. that they're using them um, and what that I never would have ever expected and finding benefits of, you know, very, varying levels. Like a lady was just telling me the other day how she's been using the relief salve for varicose veins. Oh, cool. And I'm like, oh, I never thought about that, but it's working for her and that's
0: awesome. So right. Yeah. I OK. So we mentioned the lip balm and the roll on and the oil in the salve. Uh, what are some of the other products that you have? And also, so do you create these products? Do you partner with other people to create the products? Tell me a little bit about, because that's a whole nother thing. Like that's a whole Mm -hmm. nother thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other thing. So what I'll do is I'll kind of walk through some of the products and tell you a little bit of the backstory of how they came to be and how we create them now, okay. um, because I think that's, that is kind of, mm-hmm. kind of interesting, um, something people might find interesting too. So when, when I started our, our business, um, we had one product and it was the 1200 milligram oil in two flavors, orange and mint. And so that came to be because it just so happened that not only did we have this crop of hemp on our farm, but we also um, had a connection to a local small batch processor that had just started up about 20 minutes from our house. So it was kind of this unique thing where we're like, hey, we can do our processing locally and have this locally grown and locally crafted oil, right? So the stars lined up for that. And then you know, kind of the next thing, like that was what we, that was what I launched our business with. And when I say launch, I make it sound like it was some big elaborate plan, but <laughs> it was just like <laughs> fly by the seat of your pants. Like went from business creation to product, you know, launched in about six weeks. So, but <laughs> but, wow. uh, but the oil was the first thing, you know, that we started with, and so that local partnership just made a lot of sense. And uh, so that would have been um, October the year before, you know, COVID took over our lives. So I had started as an online business and then, um, you know, when COVID shut everything down, it was okay because I was still an online business. So I was already in the right spot. Uh, But what I was finding was that I would get people asking and hearing about, oh, I've heard CBD for this. I've heard CBD for that. And so here I was at home during COVID (laughs) with ample supply of CBD (laughs) and, um, and people inquiring about ways to use it. And I literally started cooking on the kitchen stove. So, um, so I started, you know, someone had asked me, "Oh, do you make a pain relief sap?" I've heard the pain relief sap is awesome. So I started tinkering with, um, you know, recipes and created a sap and sampled it out to some of my customers, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" You know, for my pain and for my joints and my arthritis and everything else. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll start making more of it. <laughs> and, um, and so I started making a little bit of that on my own. Um, but then I quickly realized that, you know, my, the, the place I wanted to spend my time wasn't necessarily cooking on the stove, you know, um, hmm. say up. And so I messaged out to a, a local group of um, women entrepreneurs in my area and said, hey, does anybody know anybody that makes this stuff? And I was able to make a connection with a woman that does small, ga- small batch body care products locally as well. And so her and I worked, you know, worked out something where now she creates the salve for me, and then that evolved into um, several other products that I was able to then outsource to her. And so, um, so that you know was kind of how things went with creating um, our essential oil blend roll-on, which is called Rest and Relax, because what I was finding with that one was there's a lot of women, just like what you were saying, Margie, Of like, I don't know about this oil. I don't know about eating it and putting it in my body, but (laughs) you're willing to say, I'll roll it on my, I'll roll it on my wrist. I'll put it on my temples. I'll put it on my, you know, on my pulse points. And so that was kind of where Rest and Relax was born, was having this alternative product um, for people that were just not ready to consume CBD um, orally. And so, uh, Mm -hmm. so that we, so that kind of, started to foster that relationship. Um, And then other things, you know, kind of started tinkering with along the way. I started tinkering with a body butter um, with a recipe that I had always made for myself using, you know, just really plain natural ingredients. And then you add some CBD into it and then there's this boosted anti-inflammatory effect. And then, you know, then you hear um, people explaining that, oh, this is helping my psoriasis and my eczema and conditions that usually, you know, anything they would put on them would just aggravate it. Um, so, so I kind of started just, you know, tinkering with these products. Um, another thing that I started playing around with at the request of some folks was bath bombs. And so it was about a year where I spent every evening hand making bath bombs after my (laughs) children went to bed and, um, and, uh, Eventually, um, I found the perfect partner to outsource that to, and it ended up being my, my mom, who is a retired dairy <laughs> farmer, um, which, by the way, she's like the OG farmer, mm-hmm. like, she she farmed by herself for like 15 years in the 60s and 70s before wow. she like settled down and like married my dad and all Gosh. that. So my mom is like you know she's like the farm her and now she is the bath bomb maker. <laughs> so See, like they can
0: had, farmers can do anything. What's anything. that? Farmers can do anything.
1: They can, they can, and they can adapt and they can pivot, and that is my mother. Um, so she is the head bath bomb maker. And, um, and then another, you know, partnership that, you know, that, that kind of came up too is with a local herbalist. And so now I have a line of co-branded um, hemp tea blends. So she knows all the stuff about like blending herbs and sourcing herbs to create um, amplified effects for like the inflammation and the sleep and the calming and everything else. And then I provide my hemp flower from my farm. And then we create these tea blends. And, you know, it's it's really cool because, like, you know, for example, one of my um, – actually, one of my neighbors is a big avid tea drinker of our tea, and she's actually been able to um, discontinue the use of her Ambien that she's been on for years by drinking our tea every night. Um, that comes from something that she can see me growing in our backyard. So, like – So cool. it's just, Yeah, so it's kind of cool how um, how – Like when I started, you know, growing the product line and growing the business, at first I thought I had to do it all myself and (laughs) then I ended up burning out (laughs) and I ended up exhausted. And, um, and then what I really learned from that was that, you know, when I start letting go of some of these duties within my business, I'm supporting another business so that we all have this really cool relationship where we're supporting each other. Um, and it started with really, you know, getting to the point where I was ready to start letting some, letting some things go and trusting other people to be the expert. Um, and, and man, they are, they are amazing at what they do. So,
0: yeah, I love that. See, uh, more evidence that when you're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing, all of the stars align and all of the right things, um, line up. And, and, um, so what, what you're touching base on just now and talking about how you've had to kind of change your thinking or adjust as you've grown. Um, I think any any small business owner can attest to. Um, but one of the themes, one of the things that we are, Talking about this year is the word sustainability, right? And it's a word that we hear all of the time in agriculture. But I think it's such a challenging word uh, to put into terms of what that means to you, what that means to your farm. And so at Farm Her, we've decided to break it down and talk about sustainability to us as humans, as as a wife, as a mom, as a farmer, as a business owner, like whatever role that you're in, uh, not necessarily agriculture. What does sustainability look like you, Peggy, for the next year, or two years or five years? Because you, you still work in the dairy industry, right? And yeah. you've yeah. got this business and you've got kids and you uh, raise cattle and you, you raise the hemp and, and you market all this like you've got a lot of irons in the fire. So so what does sustainability look like for you as as a person?
1: Oh, that's a, that is a great question. (laughs) Uh, But but let me, let me just give you back the kudos of taking on that viewpoint of sustainability. Because like you said, we can take it so many directions and we, you know, in agriculture, that's the easy, it's way easier to talk about how can I make my farm sustainable than how can I make my life sustainable? (laughs) <laughs> right as women in agriculture and so mm-hmm. what what does that look like for me and uh, and you know here here's the here's the evolution that you know that i've kind of experienced in the last three years of having this business and and coming into' I would say last you know two years coming into year three um you know I've been unsustainable oh yeah <laughs> I, i've been i i have burned out i've gotten sick. I've let my health, you know, I've let my health slide in some ways, which was never the intention. But sometimes, sometimes we let our passion push us too far.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, <Mighty>.
1: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone else, raise language. your
0: hand if you feel the yeah, same.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, um, so. Uh, So sustainability for me in the last, uh, you know, I'll kind of take this example of the past year and then what I'm looking at for 2022. Um, Sustainability for me has been uh, an an evolving viewpoint. Um, And I, I enrolled in a like a business and kind of personal development coaching program last year, and it really pushed me and challenged me to think differently and in a sustainable way. Um, You know, one of the big things that it focused on was, I mean, you know, you you do your goal setting and you set your parameters for what you want to create in your business. But above and beyond that, it really uh, also encouraged me to think about what do I want to create in my life and how do I want to show up and not just what do I want to do and what do I want to achieve, but who do I want to be? And as I've adapted this mindset, which has been hard to get out of the grind and the placing your value on what you can do and how many tasks you can achieve, as I, you know, that was the mindset that I had for so long and was so ingrained. And that's also the mindset that is not sustainable because it's not fulfilling temporarily, maybe, but it, what, it's what leads you to stress, adrenal fatigue, burnout, all of those things. And so, um, you know, kind of just through this journey of personally learning, of personally burning out, <laughs> and reevaluating, you know, when that happened is to look at 2022, and um, and and really say, like, sustainability for me is um, it is in many ways, uh, it's it's letting go. It's it's letting go of the need to have my hands in control of everything. It's learning to trust other people that are highly qualified, um, to, to do things because that's how I can work in my zone is by starting to let some things go. Um, it is like, I, I have this, uh, like quote that I'm looking at right now on my desk and every year I pick one word. So that's, that's, um, you know, my, my thing for the years. I always choose one word. So my one word for 2022 is free. And there's a a little Bible verse on my desk and it says live freely animated and motivated by God's spirit. And it reminds me that, um, that freedom is found when we are living our life based on our highest calling, our highest purpose and doing the things that we're intended to do. It's not going to be based around as many things as I can volunteer for, as many organizations as I can show up and bake a pie for, you know, like it's that is not involved on me making every tube of lip balm. Like that is not what free is for me. And so I equate that word free with that sustainability, looking at 2022 and beyond of creating, um, you know, a life where I can start to let go and learn to let go of some of those things so that I can spend my time and my focus where my talents are best used. And it's been a long time getting to to this <laughs> point, but the more I embrace it, the more I, I um, know in my heart, it's what will allow me to be sustainable, to be able to continue my business with pre-CBD, to be able to continue um, my career in dairy and actually take a really, uh, I'm taking on some new and really exciting projects in that industry in the year to come. and. Uh, and I knew that if I wanted to do all these things, I had to change because I was not going to be sustainable yeah. <laughs> the way I was going.
0: I think so. it's there's so much truth in that. It's the journey of, of a passionate small business owner, an entrepreneur, a, a, a founder, someone, you, just so many things, right? And, and so I think the other powerful thing that I would love to remind everybody about that you mentioned is um, you took the time to take a course. And, you know, working on your business versus in your business is a really hard thing. Aaron, uh, like, Uh kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone to go through a a program here in Iowa a couple years ago. And it changed everything. It really did. And I kind of feel like I need, like, a refresher course in it right now, right? Like, because sometimes you got to go back to that, like, what's your Mm – and they called it your dashboard. But, like, what's your why? What what, what keeps you – you know, where you need to be and able to sustain this for the long term. And and I think with any of these conversations, um, what what sustains us personally is really not that much different than than how our farm might be sustained. It might just be a few different words, right? A few different phrases, but it's kind of the same thing. You've got your why, and then how are you going to make that all happen? And so um, I think it's it's a it's an interesting conversation that I'm looking forward to continuing to have this year. So thank you for your input on that for sure. So. Um one last question that I have, um, I'll let Erin jump in too if she's got anything else. But Peggy, so you you sell this online, right? So where can people find your products um, if they're like me now and are like, okay, give me that roll-on so I can dab it under my nose or wherever <laughs> I want to put it?
1: <laughs> yeah. So the best place to find them is at precbd.com. So it's just p-r-i-c-b-d. So just six letters, precbd.com, and I do have um, a network of you know retailer retail partners in the Greater Green Bay area. But the best place um, if you're not in this neck of the woods to find them would be through our website and right online.
0: Awesome, thank yeah. you, Erin. Anything to add? I know that you are excited about this conversation, so there might be something uh, else you're you're uh, holding out with.
2: No, I I mean I just think it's like so educational and enlightening and such a great option for women who are busy and feel crazy all the time. So um, I'm glad we broke it down. And yeah, Peggy, we, we appreciate your time and knowledge and passion. It's
0: awesome. Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure uh, to meet you, to learn about your business uh, and, and to learn about CBD, as Aaron said. So uh, be sure to check out their website and thank you everyone for joining us right here on Farmher Talks.